Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Brand Standing Episode 3. I'm Pete Senna with Digital Surgeons. I'm joined today with... Brianna Smith. So we want to talk to you guys today a little bit about the recent recall with Ritz and Goldfish Crackers. Brianna, what do you think about this notion of just product recalls and how brands should be responding to these types of things? It's definitely different depending on what brand, what product, what type of recall. I think there's a lot of subjectivity with Ritz and Goldfish my mind immediately goes to something that's near and dear to my heart, which is growing up, my dad's side always had Ritz with peanut butter and jelly. It'd make like those little sandwiches. Now you make me hungry. (laughs) My mom's side with Pepperidge Farm constantly ate Milano's. I know that's not Goldfish, but still same brand. And like I grew up with those brands in my household. And every time I look at them in the aisle, now that I'm eating a little bit healthier, I'll still go grab some Goldfish or I'll still so go grab some uh, Ritz because it reminds me of like a better time. And so kind of my thought on this whole recall is my first reaction was like, oh, okay. And then I kind of forgot about it. It wasn't a huge deal to me because my brand recognition and, and even relationship with this brand is so strong that it wasn't so detrimental and in my opinion to really care too much or think negatively of the brand i still had a very positive perception the first thing i want to say just on record since there's a microphone in front of my face is that i am not a pr professional however i have had the opportunity of working with some world-class pr professionals that deal with communications and corporate communications and crisis types of situations so i've had the the opportunity to be a student to this craft and by by no means would i call myself an expert but frankly i mean i don't know if you agree brown but i I don't think anybody's an expert today you know Mm that things have really shifted and i think if i was the ceo of that company the first thing i would sort of ask is who's the expert in the customer who knows the customer the most who's the closest i think a little bit different for, I think, Ritz and Goldfish. You know, that they're not dealing with an E. coli scare like Chipotle did recently mm-hmm. or a couple times. So I think in a situation like that, it's probably a little harder to rebound if you're Chipotle or, you know, an airline that's dragging somebody yeah. off of it as opposed to, you know, such a great heritage brand. But it starts with inviting the customer in, you know, listening to what you're you're seeing, disclosing honesty, you know, in terms of like, what do you know? What, what, what do we know? What don't we know? And then taking some form of action and making sure that that action is then communicated. I think today brands have a lot more control as to what and where they distribute their message, right? So we might not want to hit you with, you know, an ad apologizing, right, Brianna? Because mm-hmm. you're not really afflicted by this, right? Mm-hmm. Or affected. But I think for me, it's it's super timely because we get into this notion now, you know, I look at some of the fastest growing brands that we see on our dashboards, you know, Brianna and I work really closely together on a lot of the strategy work here at DS. And I think what we're seeing a lot and, and I would love for you to jump in in time, Brianna is like, mm-hmm. what we're seeing a lot is the fastest growing brands are the ones that are providing the most transparency to the customer, right? The fastest growing brands around among millennials, among plurals are brands that stand for something. You know, we're seeing the rise of B Corps. We're seeing the rise of purpose mission and purpose-driven brands. So I think when you look at such a timely brand, you know, I think the reality now is that the next generation, your kids, essentially, Brianna, are not going to have that same association with Ritz. So I think my question for you or my question for the audience is, how are you guys dealing with these types of crises? And and what do we think is a appropriate way for for these brands to respond? Yeah, I think um, you brought up a really interesting point, especially when you mentioned the whole airline debacle where they had that video and people were freaking out. I think 
self-awareness, so brand awareness internally, understanding like what actually is happening and who is it affecting and to what degree. And then going from there to, to set up tactics and set up ideas on how to kind of combat that. So in this example, like reading through what actually happened with what happened with the way the ingredient yep. in the product, it really didn't like kill anyone. No one went to the hospital. There were barely any injuries. There's no videotapes of people, you know, throwing, throwing up, up or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the brand needs to understand that awareness of themselves. Okay. What degree compared to other brands who've dealt with the same type of scare? Where, where do I sit? And then to your point, like, what's my consumer's perception of what just happened? And then building tactics from there on how. Yeah, well, I mean, I think one thing we have to be mindful of, I, you know, I was out to lunch with a colleague and, you know, they were talking about Trump's America and how everything is very George Orwell, 1984, mm-hmm. and this idea of misinformation and, and that sort of thing. And by no means are we turning this into a political conversation, but, you know, that's just sort of what was on the news of the TV that people were sort of looking up at, you know, lots of headlines now. I think that... One thing that's true as strategists, Brianna and I see a lot, is that consumers' behavior and mindset can be very easily shifted with just a headline. So I think with a lot of the scares that are out there right now, you know, listeria, that sort of thing, just a headline can move a stock ticker tape down by a couple of points. You know, I think for me, and I don't know your thoughts, Brianna, it's like I wouldn't want to put advertising out or marketing out that conflicts with that. If we have a happy customer ready to buy and shopper and we're over apologizing to them, they decide to not buy. Right. So for me, I think it's listen appropriately, Mm -hmm. identify the context of which we're dealing with, and then appropriately go after that from a media perspective. I mean, I know one of our customers I'm not going to mention they're a, a global CPG company, um, but I think I might get in trouble if I mention who they are. But I remember when they had a crisis that they faced, one of the first things that they did was turned off all media. Just immediately hit the pause button on any media that was running, TV, print, radio, etc., digital especially, until such a time that they knew how they wanted to appropriately respond to it. I think that that, to your point though, Brianna, it's like, does a 20-year-old seeing a, a message on CNN that says food recalled change their perception are they going to go that step deeper are they going to go deeper or is this just flicking through an instagram feed or flicking through a snapchat feed Mm -hmm. that's my thought is like is it going to really create a shift in the brand but i think regardless i mean one thing that i would see that brands need to change is they've got to get more real they got to stop the bullshit they got to get real and they got to have they have to be honest about what happened it's their responsibility to put out a quality product that doesn't get anybody sick whether or not this made them sick or not we as marketers have to have empathy for the brand because it's hard as hell to launch a product globally that is as trusted as the one that you know from your family. <laughs> but but at the same time, I think they, they have a challenge. And where would you start if you were sort of put on that business? You brought up a good point about reactions. And I think about people my age, millennial segment, everyone's reacting constantly. And you talk about Trump's America. He constantly is reacting to people on Twitter. He's constantly you know, lashing out or saying something. And so we see a lot of brands react. And in the case of the CPG brand that didn't react, kind of held out and and thought about it, that to me seems like a refreshing, and to me as in speaking from the millennial segment, a refreshing way for a brand to take on a problem like this. So refraining from reacting knowing that, okay, we might need to react quickly, but it's taking that moment to pause understand again the level of where we're at the consumers and how they're reacting and then building out the ways in which we should be kind of 
And that's where I mean, absolutely. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, clearly we work together for a reason, right? <laughs> but I think what's interesting to me is the opportunity that brands have today. So I think about just the title of our podcast, brand standing, right? Mm-hmm. Like what is the what is the organizational and the DNA of that brand, right? What do they stand for? What are they known for? Who are they? Where do they come from? Who do they want to be? And I think that story arc is such a powerful thing because if that brand's values are all about transparency and involving the customer at every step, then they need to appropriately respond near instantly to explain what they're doing about it, right? But if they're if that brand stands for, you know, security and privacy, then they need to be very, very specific and go through the right legal channels and whatnot to make sure that how they communicate things are communicated appropriately. So I think I think times of crisis, times of success, times of failure are really great opportunities for brands to really take a, a look in the mirror and ask themselves and ask their teams, who are we? Who are we to ourselves? How do we occur to ourselves? How do we occur to our consumers? And nowadays, there's such a fragmentation of the consumer mind, right? So Ritz crackers are, are being eaten by five and six-year-olds or being eaten by 75-year-olds, right? Being bought by so many different audiences. So yeah, I think that what I would ask you, Brianna, as a planner and a strategist is, how would we go about figuring out what we need to communicate when clearly there's a CNN front page news article right now talking about this recall? That's a good question. And then I have a follow-up question for you, of course. So it's tricky, right? You're thinking about a couple different things. Time. I need to address this quickly without coming off like I'm reacting. Or inauthentic. Or inauthentic, um, which is going to get to my question for you. The second thing is consumers. I have a bunch of different consumers, some who don't care, some who kind of care, some who might not. And then to your point of authenticity, but more so um, tone of voice and that human piece of it, how am I going about it? So it's not just one person. I think there's definitely people in an organization like PR that's dealing with different types of crises, but it's understanding who in that organization can bring a different aspect or perspective, leveraging that to bring a message. And so for, for example, someone in the organization who really understands the temperature and the sentiment coming from the consumers mixed with someone who really understands what the brand stands for mixed with someone who understands how the brand should communicate and what their voice and their tone is like. And those powers coming together and formulating an action plan right then and there, I think is one of the better options. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I had a build on that, but I know you had a question. Um, yeah, so I, I want to answer that first. Yeah, I do have a question. So when I think about authenticity and so many consumers wanting brands to be human, talk to me like you're a human. I don't want to know that you're a big corporation. When there tends to be crises like this, there's an element of being really serious and there's an element of being a little bit more like a corporation. In your opinion, how should a brand balance out being human but also taking a a situation very seriously. Because when we think of humans, sometimes we think of like being funny or adding jokes or using more natural language. Where's that balance between still coming off serious? Well, the creator of this podcast, James Dowd, is definitely someone that would probably be a better better person to answer that as our director of story here at DS. But I think the way I would take... Live stream the war room. (laughs) There you go. Get the corporate and the humans in the corporate. Love it. Um... James is alive and well. So I want to answer your question in a very specific way. So first, I think what this gets at to me is, is the need for a connected company, 
And what a connected company is, I think, is one that is always listening, listening to its team, listening to its staff, uh, listening to its values, and listening to its customers and its audience. And I think that that requires an inherent understanding of what the unconscious, unconscious bias is in the organization, right? So if we don't understand our customer and we don't understand how they're feeling because we're not listening or we're not asking, then we can very easily jump to a response that is not the right response. So for me, I think it starts with making sure that you have a ways of working process for how you operate internally, externally with all your partners so that when these times happen, you have the ability to rapid respond. You have the ability to form together a social war room or a crisis war room where you can get people together. And I think to answer your question about authenticity, I wrestle with this one because I think at a time of conflict is the greatest opportunity for a brand to really show themselves who they are, right? So one of the things we all still talk about is that Super Bowl moment when the lights went out and Oreo was able to jump in. Like as marketers, we saw that on like every ad age, every marketing publication for years, right? It's like the staple. I wish I wrote or designed that tweet, right? <laughs> what I mean by that is I believe that true character is shown at not a brand or a person or a organization's time of success, but rather at their time of defeat. And I think clearly whether it's getting someone pulled off an airline or having a scare in your restaurant or in this case with Ritz and Goldfish, I think the opportunity is to really know who you are and enable and empower everyone that's working with or for or on your business, whether it's internal or externally, to, to take action. And I think that bias for action is really a powerful thing. And to answer your question about natural language, I think it depends, right? If, if I'm a kitschy, snarky brand and someone got sick. I don't believe that that is the time to stick to your snarky voice. I think that that's the time to introduce a different element. Now, I don't believe the answer is to write a cold, sterile message, which was clearly approved by 15 lawyers you know, in a law, in a law room suite. But I do think that when people's lives are at stake or people's health is at stake, I do not believe that levity is the answer. Now, granted, I am not a creative director or entrepreneur that's particularly known for my humor. <laughs> so I think if I was to ask someone who might be a little bit more focused on that, you know, that that if my brand is a bunch of apathetic, you know, early tech adopters, a Reddit style snarky response might be appropriate. Probably not the person to ask. I, I would in that situation, I would more quickly defer the opportunity to someone like you, uh, Brianna, who I think has a much tighter pulse on the customer sometimes than I do because of your just your research capability. But that's just my thoughts on it. I mean, I, I'm curious to hear, like, how do you think one should respond in that scenario? Yeah, it's tricky. I think when it comes to, and it goes back to that whole idea of like millennials and this younger segment really wanting more human brands because they don't trust brands. It's starting to become like a little bit mainstream. And so now all these brands are kind of taking it on and it's, almost becoming like a back burner for millennials. So I still think it's relevant in terms of, to your point, staying true to who you are as a brand. When it comes to voice and tone and it comes to a crisis, that's definitely important, but it's maybe more even strategic than that. So looking at in the case of Ritz and Goldfish, if the segment that really actually cares about this is like older grandparents and maybe moms and not so much the millennial segment, then maybe the whole voice and tone is extremely serious, but has an element that speaks to that type of consumer. Now, let's say it's the opposite, and all these young millennials care because they grew up with this brand. 
yes, it's a serious conflict, but if you think about how the way millennials talk about some very serious topics, look on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, they make jokes about very dark things. They add a ton of different fun jargon to just some very serious situations. And so in that case, it might be appropriate to have a little bit of a, a fun and unique way to talk to them about this crisis. Totally agree. I mean, look, I, I love that frame. I mean, I think the best comedy is about tragedy in some, in some <laughs> yeah. cases, right? For me, when I look at this, I would probably spend more of my time and energy finding the expert in the room than I would be trying to be one. But, you know, if there was the proverbial gun to my head and I had to make a decision, I would probably try to stay as true as I could to the brand while also not risking alienating or hurting the feelings of someone that might be hurt in the process. You know, if if ultimately the scare was released and I made a joke about it and then two weeks later um, someone got sick or hospitalized or, or worse – at that point, I'm, I now have another fr- crisis coming back because I made a joke about it. So I think for me, whenever people's lives are at stake, I, I always try to go down the middle, as mm-hmm. we like to say, uh, with the response. But I think this is an opportunity just looking at this now, seeing how much this is, is let's watch the stock price. You know, let's watch the the fluctuation of social media discourse on this mm-hmm. topic mm-hmm. to really see like over the next two to six weeks, you know, again, we're not going to have inside sales numbers, but I'd be curious to see like, are we seeing scan data come back from Nielsen or IRI? Like, is it dropping off? That for me is a question. My sense of belief is that our buying patterns today are so embedded that if you or I were to walk down the aisle, we would most likely still buy the Ritz cracker, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're super savvy marketers, right? But I think I'd still buy the Ritz cracker and I'd be like, oh, they figured it out or the store figured it out because mm-hmm. I trust that brand. I trust that experience. But I will say I haven't been back to a Chipotle I went online and I spent probably 20 minutes playing with the RZA interactive music experience to make my own burrito with sounds and stuff. <laughs> had a hell of fun doing that. So whoever they paid to build that experience was definitely a good use of their money. But was it? Because really, I'm not going back to Chipotle. The only way Chipotle could probably get me to come back is if they appropriately told me that they got to the bottom of where the E. coli came from. But yeah, no, I'm not going back there. And there's there's even a local restaurant. I'm not going to name just because I don't want to smear them. But there's a local restaurant nearby that I used to go to all the time, and I heard they've had two food scares, and they've their um, sanitization, I guess, records have gone down like from like an A to a C. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not going there. I'm not taking my wife there and risking like spending yeah. the weekend in the bathroom. <laughs> that makes me think a little bit about processed food versus just like non-processed food, totally. because in the case of Ritz and Goldfish, you know, that's in a box. Those are those are processed, and I'm the same way. It's hard for me to even like step into a Chipotle, although I still love it. But just knowing that the meat is open, <laughs> like you can see it right there. Yeah. Do you think there's any kind of like perception around fresh food versus a scare with some type of processed food? I don't know. I mean, look, there's something special about going with homemade and very few hands working together to deliver something that that small homegrown, locally sourced, locally made definitely pulls on my heartstrings. But if I had to choose between a box of Ritz crackers and going back to a restaurant where someone clearly was known for not washing their hands and getting people sick, I mean, I'm going to back to the Ritz crackers box, you know, because it's like a, it's a safer of the two evils, but interesting topic. I'm so glad that we were able to jump on this and, and riff. Yeah, this has been great. Thanks for your knowledge bombs.
Um, so this has been awesome. I feel like I got to relive a little bit of my childhood excitement around Roots and Goldfish and also learn a lot more about kind of, you know, your perception, my perception, both of our perceptions on how we would take a crisis problem like this. And I would say, other than just thanking everybody for joining us on Brand Stunning, what I would say is when you do go out and hopefully buy some crackers, put some Jarlsberg cheese on them. You can melt it too. It's extra yummy. <laughs> I had to.